Hello, I'm Reverend Shannon Moore, and you're listening to the Simple Worship Podcast, recorded each week at University Christian Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Every Sunday at 9.30 a.m., we gather in the Chapel of the Good Shepherd to sing, take communion, and worship. If you'd like to join us, in person or virtually, please visit our website, universitychristian.org, for more details. So for a little while now, we've been in the Gospel of Matthew, and as Matthew outlines Jesus' ministry, uh, some of the themes that stand out are his compassion and his healing, uh, his miracles. You may remember he calmed the stormy sea, he walked on water, and just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Jesus feeding 5,000 plus people with just a little bit of food. Another theme that emerges throughout Jesus' ministry is the trouble that he gets in with the religious leaders. They're always accusing him or his disciples of breaking some law, breaking some rule, breaking some tradition. Uh, Last week, we heard a story about Jesus that didn't make him sound too great. There was a non-Jewish woman who was asking for healing for her daughter. The disciples were trying to send her away. Jesus ignored her. Then he was rude to her. But then she declared her belief in him as the Son of God. And Jesus was kind of surprised. It was his understanding that he had been sent just to the house of Israel. But here was this non-Jewish woman who declared that he was the Son of God. And the boundaries that Jesus had around himself expanded a little bit. And the woman's daughter was healed. So after that, another big crowd started following him. Very similar to the story of when he fed the 5,000. He had a little bit of food and he fed about 4,000 people this time. And it said that they were amazed. The crowd was amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed hold, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16. And at the beginning of that chapter, here come the religious leaders again. They've come to test Jesus to make him prove try to make him prove who he really is. And they ask him, provide us a sign from heaven. And knowing Jesus as we do, we know that he did not do that. He kind of told them how the cow ate the cabbage and left. The disciples are with Jesus, and they realize they have forgotten to bring bread. And they're talking to each other, we forgot bread. And Jesus gets kind of annoyed with them, and he says, Beware the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders. And the disciples are like, is he talking that we don't have bread? Is that what he's talking about? And Jesus just sort of loses. it. He says, what is wrong with y'all? Haven't you seen me feed like 10,000 people with just a little bit of food? I'm not talking about that. I'm telling you to be aware of the teachings of the religious leaders. So that's where we are in the context of Matthew as we begin today's scripture reading. Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 13. Hear these words. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? They said, Some say John the Baptist, but others, Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you? Say that I am. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. So Jesus and the disciples are in an area called Caesarea Philippi. It was named after Caesar, Caesarea, who was a Roman emperor, and Herod Philip, Philippi, Caesarea Philippi. Now, Herod Philippi was the son of Herod the Great, and that was the governor who tried to kill Jesus, met with the wise men, tried to kill Jesus, and then had all the infants slaughtered after Jesus' death. This is who we're talking about here, his dad. So Matthew begins this story by telling us where they are. They are in this place that is steeped in the empire, in Roman influence, even by its sheer name, Caesar, Philip. This is where they are, in the middle of this empire hierarchy. And he's got a big question. Who are people saying that I am? Kind of like, give me, the, give me the gossip. What are people saying? And the disciples know what they've heard. Some people think you're John the Baptist. Some people think you're Elijah. Some people think you're Jeremiah. You're one of the prophets. These Old Testament prophets, except for John the Baptist, he was sort of the last of that kind of prophet, um, they were known for their bravery. They stood up to kings and they gave uh, unpopular messages from God. They performed miracles. But they also gave hope about what God might do or what God might do one day. There's a professor at Columbia Seminary in Georgia. Her name is Mitzi Smith. I like her writing. And she says about this text, They're all dead men. Do the people believe that God could not outdo God's self. In other words, the people who have witnessed Jesus' miracles, Jesus' healings, have listened to Jesus' teachings, are so entrenched in the past, in what has happened, that in their minds the only possible explanation for why Jesus is able to do these things that He's doing is that He is the past come to life. He is one of these old prophets that has somehow been resurrected. That's where their, their mind is set. But then Jesus has a bigger question to his disciples. Who do you say that I am? Now, as it's written, it seems like that question is answered pretty immediately. But I wonder if there was an uncomfortable silence, you know, like when you're in class and the teacher asks a question and nobody wants to give the answer because they're scared they're going to say the wrong thing. Just imagine the disciples looking at each other. I don't know if that's what happened. Either way, it's Peter who answers first. And what he says is, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter got an A+. Plus. On his test, Jesus seems thrilled with this response. He blesses Peter and proclaims that this knowledge didn't come from anybody else but from God, God's self. And that statement, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, that is the basis for the Christian confession of faith all over the world. So here's what happens next. Jesus says this, starting at verse 18. I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Now these verses are the basis for, uh, I would say, a somewhat broad understanding that Peter is the head of the church, that Peter is the rock upon which the church would be built. Some people will call him the first pope. But there's a little bit of word play in the original manuscripts that doesn't come through in the English. So before I go any further, I'm going to admit that a surefire way for me to probably take a nap during a sermon is when the preacher says, according to the original Greek transcript, I'm out. So if you feel the same way, forgive me. In the Greek manuscript, Jesus tells Peter, you are Petros, a name, Petros. And on this Petros, which it translates into rock, I will build my assembly, which is translated as church. Petros, Petros, similar sounding names, but not exactly the same thing. So if we were going to try to come up with a comparison in English, it might go something like this. Your name is Believer. And on the foundation of this belief, close, not the same, the church will stand forever, and not even the powers of hell can destroy it. This belief that Jesus, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God, Living God, a living God is more than what has happened in the past. A living God is working in the world today. A living God is doing new things beyond even what Jesus had realized when he discovered that he could also bring light to the Gentiles. Beyond what the religious leaders are always trying to rein Jesus in as he's breaking these boundaries, as he's stretching the limits of God's grace and the religious leaders keep rain, trying to rein him in. You can't do that. You can't do that. We have things to do. But Jesus is the son of the living God at work in the world, living in us, through us. And then Jesus continues with a statement that we tend to gloss over, but it's kind of big. He says, upon this belief that you just proclaimed, I'll build the church. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's a lot of responsibility that the actions of believers influences heaven. Our friend Mitzi Smith that I quoted earlier says, The heavens are witnesses of the people and things that we imprison and the people and things we set free. What we do on earth matters and it has an impact in the heavens and in the atmosphere around us. So after these major revelations, then Jesus says, But don't tell anybody. Why? How is that going to work, Jesus, if this belief 
that has just been proclaimed is the foundation of your church that's going to stand up against anything that hell can throw at it. How's that going to work if we don't tell anybody? Maybe what Jesus was getting at to his disciples and to us is that the way we live, the actions that we do, the things that we say speaks more clearly and more effectively than words. Now, if I were to go around and ask each one of you or go out in the street and ask people, who is Jesus? You're going to get a lot of different opinions, are you not? We probably won't hear that he's John the Baptist raised from the dead or Elijah or Jeremiah, but you're going to hear other words and other beliefs that move beyond this bedrock of Christian faith that Peter told us about. Maybe you would hear that Jesus is affiliated with a political party or that Jesus is a wish granter or a buddy, best friend. But instead of asking other people who Jesus is, maybe we ought to take some time and turn inward in prayer, in meditation, and ask ourselves, who do we truly think Jesus is? I invite you to meditate on that question this week. And the more we grow in relationship with Jesus, the better able we're going to be to answer that question for ourselves, not for anybody else. And then that's going to be reflected in the way we live. And that will be our powerful testimony. Thank you for listening to the Simple Worship Podcast. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at universitychristian.org. If you like this sermon, please share it with others. Thanks again, and have a blessed week.